back to Weebology students. Thank you for coming back. I'm Ricky. And I'm Ethan. And man, I'm so hungry right now. I'm How I'm hungry are you? Hungry enough to eat a, a disturbing amount of five guys after this after <laughs> this episode. Good. Oh, I'm so excited for it. Uh but yeah, what we what we've been working on lately? Yeah, guys, so uh I I gypped the system and got uh, the student version of Adobe Creative Suite or you're Creative just, Cloud. You just laying it all out there. Why not? I mean, you, you just exposed us. You've exposed us on air. Then we, uh, gypped, we gypped the system. We gamed it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I can't imagine that Adobe cares that much. Nah, that they would go listen to our podcast specifically to find out if people are chipping the system anywho <laughs> so we now have the entire creative suite the whole creative cloud oh my gosh and it is so fun to play with it's super cool so uh yeah we've been working on uh using some cool uh after effects stuff after effects premiere pro photoshop and illustrator so you're going to be getting some sweet new visual content here soon on our youtube channel and stuff yeah. like that yeah so um, uh you know i did the like a very rudimentary version of uh, like the After Effects waveform around our logo, and then uh, Ricky's worked on the the cooler version. We got some really coming cool soon. coming soon. We got some really cool visualizations. So check us out on YouTube if that's the way you like to listen on desktop or mobile. If you want to listen to our podcast that way to see some uh, see some pretty sweet treats for the eyes. It's very good visuals. So. Um, but we yeah, are also tweet about our sweet treats. Tweet about the sweetest treats. <laughs> so we were working on it at a coffee shop called Do South here in South Carolina, and uh, we had an interesting experience. That- yeah, it was uh, honestly. So I was listening. I was editing our podcast, and Ricky was working on the uh, the. Uh, or sorry, Patbot was editing. Beep boop. <laughs> Here's the scoop. Uh, Ethan was doing this one. <laughs> yeah, I was doing this one. Anywho. Um, so I was editing, so my headphones were on and I was just listening intently to our conversation. And then, uh, he was, uh, Ricky was over there working on the animation. And then all of a sudden this guy comes up next to me and like taps me on the shoulder. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? We thought he was going to be a new subscriber. Yeah. We're going to, we were about to yeah. go full like, Hey, it's the weebologist. How you doing? What's good? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, uh, he, he comes up to us and he goes, Hey guys, uh, today's our first ever public cupping <laughs> cupping and yes and we look, looked at each other like what the is yeah. he about to take us in the back room and yeah i was like <laughs> uh no thanks sir uh we're cup, actually cup good. what exactly what would you like me to cup we're actually sir? good on that <laughs> no so uh he, he just so they do their own coffee roasting there, bean roasting and they you know curate their own portfolio of uh coffee beans they definitely have a lot of buzzwords like that their taste profiles and their their coffee profiles. It was yeah. very, it was very uh, high-end roastery. But at the end of the day, it was essentially uh, inviting the public in to see how roasters at certain roasteries, if that's the word for it. I believe so. Okay, it's roasteries. Uh, will actually test the quality of their beans to make sure it is up to snuff. And apparently it's a weekly thing they did, but this is the first one for the public. And that was super interesting. Yeah, I, I, loved I, it. I had no idea, like all the time that goes into specifically quality control post-roast. Post-roast, yeah. yeah. So post-roast, it's very time-sensitive, too. You can do you have to do certain smelling and you know Tasting. tastings at certain time in the process. It only takes about 25 minutes, but at like at four minutes, you have to smell it or take do the break where you take all the skim off the top. You then taste that like 10 minutes, and then you taste it at like 18 minutes when it's cooled off. It was a really educational experience. Me, personally... I ignored one aspect of their advice. Yeah, so they told us uh, <laughs> since we had basically 14 cups of coffee on the table, um, two for each blend, mm-hmm. they said, hey, uh, you guys might not want to just drink all of them. And uh, <laughs> and uh, Rick just decided... Uh, screw that. Yeah, Let's how, get... how else am I going to get the flavor? Yeah, I got to get all the flavor all the way down the gullet. So I decide, hey, instead of using a spittoon, I'm going to swallow it all. And after that experience, since we went three times around the table, I felt like I was, you know, on crack. Vibrating. I was, I was jittering. He I was, was visibly vibrating, folks. I was I was <laughs> pissing every five minutes. It was so unhealthy for me. I tipped. I, I definitely tipped and 
I didn't went, go to bed till 3 a.m. last night. I did. I watched. Uh, I watched us last night until like one in the morning, and I was still like, "Should I sleep? I should sleep now." And it wasn't necessarily like my body telling me, "Hey, you're tired now." It was a brain saying, "You need to sleep. Yeah. You should probably sleep." So we had some beers yesterday and tacos to try to mellow everything out. And finally, by the end, I was not jittering so much. But my <laughs> goodness, that's the most coffee I've ever had in my entire life in one sitting. And Oh, and Ellie. And it's some high-quality stuff, too. So I'm Yeah, j- but it, it was a really cool experience. And uh, if you wanted to look at some of those pictures, our Instagram is up and running. Yep. Fully, we're, uh, we're fully uh, invested in the content train the of The content Instagram. train. And we're just going to be blasting y'all with memes. You know. Uh, yeah, anime memes, uh, shit about what we're working on. You know, Area 51 as well. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, so this episode will actually come out like probably way after everyone got killed already at Area 51. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we will, uh, we're waiting on bated breath uh, to see the end of that and how many Naruto runners actually outrun bullets. Yeah. So. So uh, what's your what's your over under on how many people actually show up to so Area 51? I, I think 50 people will show up. One person will attempt to get in. He will instantly get arrested. <laughs> wow. I Dude, I think there's way more. I think there's going to be at least a dozen people who are earnestly, though. I think about 50 to 100. I think closer to 100 is going to show up. But at least 12 are going to storm it. Definitely. <laughs> Not alternate. Uh, yeah, you know what? Ultimate Ninja Storm. Ultimate Ninja Storm it. That's what's going to happen. So, yeah, so... Uh, is, this, is this a coffee podcast? Yeah, so uh, we're going to talk about the profile the, of So this, the Java uh, profile and the Mocha profile. Oh, uh, so. the decaf tasted like firecracker. You kept the, saying it tasted like fire. It tasted like uh, <laughs> juniper. And the cocaine was top-notch. Yeah. That's why I was jittering. But this is an anime podcast, Ethan. It's yeah, an anime so, podcast. So what are we talking about today, Rick? Today we're finally diving into a series we've mentioned a couple of times, and we said we we're going to do it for dozens of episodes, literally a dozen episodes. I think the first episode we mentioned this. And we kept mentioning it and passing over and over, we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into Black Clover. And I am so effing hype about it, folks. I'm pretty hyped now because I, I like the, you know, I uh, was pretty lukewarm on it as it came out. And then I started watching the sprinting for this episode. And the more I watched it, the more I turned to kind of started loving it as a, as a uh, uh, shonen schmuck of shorts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's setting so- you up. You're setting yourself up for just complete disaster with that sentence structure. Oh, so, okay. Before we begin, there will be spoilers to the anime up to this point. At this point, it is uh, about 90 and changing. Uh, I think I'm I think like so. in the 96 range. Okay, and I'm, I'm at the high 70s, so we have enough to talk about here. So I, I think what we're going to do first, Ethan, give us a little bit uh, of background on the world. Before we get into any of the characters, before we get into the story, what is the world of Black Clover like? What are we looking at? Sure. So, um, and you'll you'll basically get a lot of this right in the very beginning of every episode. And I actually love the openings of the show. The show. The consistent uh, like the of, introduction. Right. Eh, warmed it's up. It's like to Mahote. It. Mahote. The, the anyway, the narrator's voice is sick. Mm-hmm. So basically, in this world, everyone. Most people have the ability to use magic. Mm-hmm. Um, at a certain age, everyone is kind of issued a grimoire of sorts. A, a grimoire? <laughs> yeah, no, a grimoire. Uh, at each each of these uh, kingdoms have their own basically like tower of uh, like wizarding arts or something like that. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, basically everyone at a certain age will be issued their grimoire and then they will go on to basically live their life using their type of magic. Everyone has a specific attribute that they are um, strong in, mm-hmm. weak against, etc. Basically yeah. like 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 a normal um, magic world. And that's something you brought up right before we, uh, we hit record on this is that it wasn't exactly clear uh, that who gets a grimoire and who doesn't. Everyone gets one essentially. Right. Uh, so, exact and, and the way that most of these kingdoms are situated is that the more magical power you have, it's usually hereditary since there are royal families with a notable higher mana count. But the further right. away you live from like the center of the kingdom, the more peasantry you are cons- like you kind of considered, and the less magical potency that you have. But magic 
flows through all people. Right. So it's less likely the farther you are from the capital and noblehood, mm -hmm. or if you want to call it that. Right. Uh, that you would have a large like mana reserve. If you want to kind of, I don't know, make a parallel to another show, it's like Chakra or Key that you would have in in yeah. either Naruto or Dragon Ball Z. Now, one thing I wanted to ask it's you about. It's basically like fill yourself, like you're, you're a cup, and then how much, you know, how tall your cup is is basically the amount of mana you have. Right, So, but everyone usually has it. So I, I always wondered, is the whole nobility peasant thing, Is it's not a location-based thing, right? It's just the way that after generations and generations of people have been, you know, living with magic, you know, is it that all of the people that have high-potency uh, man accounts have moved closer to the capital or is it because they're born near the capital that they have more of this mana? Cause it seems like a ring structure, right? The further you way you live away, the less mana you seem to have in general, but that's not always true as we've learned. So I'm curious. Well, I, I think it's mostly like, so the whole nobility. So this is actually one of the parts of the show. I'm really, me too. really a big fan of is they're like very clear that most of nobility are assholes. They are and like racist, super dicks. Yeah, they're super. They're super. I don't know dicks. what you call it. Like it's not. It's I classes. Guess classes. It's classes. classes. Yeah, it's classes. But it's based on man account. But it also seems like because oh, this person it's has a high like, man account. Yeah, like medieval times, like really uh, high high bred people would always, you know marry into hybrid families right and that's always dictated in this world by your ability to uh, as a vessel for mana the more you have the better you're seen um which i mean theoretically like you think genetics makes sense right two, right two people that are really strong should have a really strong kid exactly like physically right mm -hmm. and so i th i think that's kind of what they played off in terms of because i mean throughout the show there's a lot of people like that are peasants that actually have an insane amount of mana. Exactly. But I think it's related to um, kind of how much they train and stuff like that. And then you have to, nobles that are complete fuck-ups. You know, they, they are just not good. Even if they have a lot of mana, they're not good using it. Yeah, so so it seems like that's what I really like about it is like you could be the, the strongest family, but you still you have to get lucky with your attribute. It seems like uh, – like, I don't know. We can talk about the Silvas really fast. But we'll, we'll get into some of these families and the characters, but let's introduce our main characters. Main characters. Yes. So in the beginning of the show, we meet our two boys. Right. So Asta oh. and Yuno. He is such a screamer, Asta. Yeah. Oh, it's well, in the beginning. In the beginning. So the, I'll, I'll go into my tirade about how I've come around to this show. But we have Asta and we have Yuno. Right, and they were both dropped off on the doorstep of a uh, like priest's uh, monastery type. Yeah, where deal. Did, where did priests live? Monasteries, well, churches. There's um. That, that's what's odd about this church is it seems like nobody else goes to it. <laughs> no, it's just yeah, that's actually a good point. So what do you, what would you call that? A nursery? I'm guessing just a monastery. Because it's just kids. Orphanage, maybe. Yeah, maybe even an orphanage. Okay. But they never say that. Anyway, so it's often like the peasant land, kind of like wasteland part of this world i think it's the village of hanj i think it's that's yeah. where they're from and um, what's really cool about this village is in the beginning you see uh like i was talking about the intro of every episode you see the original wizard king fighting this massive like world level threat demon like the size of a couple mountains it's huge yeah it's like so multi-city large mm -hmm. and so in in that intro you see him like fighting him and they talk about him beating him, and then you know the wizard king is then passed down through generations, like the, the he title. Was, he was the first one because he was the most powerful mage right. to combat this demon threat and like save the world from these demons. And literally, a little everyone literally just bowed down to him, and the wizard king became honestly from that point onward became much more popular than the actual king. Now that's an important distinction Just to he's make. Dope. Just because <laughs> he is so much more powerful and dope. Right. But what's cool about Hanj is that the skeleton of that demon is still there and visible in most shots. It's in every like And so what they horizon. did though is they put a statue of the wizard king on the thing's head. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> it's, funny. It's such a fuck you to the demon right. after the fact. Like you thought you thought. Yeah. Nope. Pop. 
And the, the, the statue is like the size of the Wizard King. Yeah. But this demon skull is the size of a huge mountain. Right. And so <laughs> it's, it's awesome. like, it's pretty cool. And it kind of gives you an atmosphere and really places you in the setting. Mm-hmm. So you're like in the in this countryside rustic area, but there's still this massive thing, like as a constant reminder that this world is not just like a normal world, right? Right. So I, I really loved that about the setting of the first kind of, I guess, 10 episodes. Um, and so what's really cool, you got Asta, who is like basically magicless. He is the only person. He's pulling a Midoriya here. And while in the Hero- My Hero Academia universe, about 80% of the people have magic, in Black Clover, 99.9999999%. Right. Literally everybody has magic except for Asta. Who I, I don't think anything there's an example of anyone the, up to this point that doesn't have magic. Yeah, we've heard of absolutely nobody else that doesn't have magic. Except for our boy Asta. So th- he is the living embodiment of never giving up. And that is something that honestly threw me off initially because so i will agree with you here when i first had heard about this show i was not interested at all it's it felt so shown in boiler very 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 formulaic and Mm -hmm. like went so this i'll just give you some context at this point bleach had just basically they decided they're not going to do it right uh another show right and naruto had literally just ended yeah because this studio that put it out is studio Periot. Who did Naruto. Naruto and Naruto Shippuden. So they are basically jumped off of one Shonen Jump uh, IP and went on to another, which is interesting because I guess they felt that it was so akin to the, the Naruto formula. You have this kid who is basically a fuck up just by birth. <laughs> and then you have his rival, who is Yuno, who is literally a magical genius. He has a wind attribute type. And he is a prodigy by all definitions. He's the cool, calm, collected rival. And, you know, uh, Sasuke is, I mean, I'm sorry, you know, is <laughs> 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 celebrated as such. So, But what, what I think is really cool, they both get dropped off as babies, right? Right. And, and you know, is the loud-ass baby, or sorry, uh, Ass is the loud-ass baby. And yeah. Sasuke, I mean, you know, is yeah. the uh, cool, calm, and collected. And they grow up basically as brothers in this orphanage. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know strong, Asta has no magic. So how does he compensate? So he compensates by becoming a meathead. He's a beefy boy. He's like yeah. a bodybuilder, which is great. But he's also, you know, because he doesn't have magic, he works extra hard to try to keep up with Yuno. And despite that, he doesn't get all the recognition he felt like he wants because he wants to become the Hokage. I mean, Wizard King. Um, and, you know, <laughs> and then he, he was very outlandish and... and uh, loud and you know you know when he screams to get attention because naruto sorry i mean asta he tries to do his best <laughs> to get noticed and right and then Wizard you know King. at one point i think he painted over the okage i'm sorry he was messing around <laughs> in the you know the skeleton of the demon <laughs> yeah it's pretty yeah, obvious so, what we're doing right here right yeah so basically in the like when i first heard about this show i was not interested at all because i thought it was just gonna be formulaically like copy paste yeah and i think and it was it was i will say the beginning totally was that because we find out that you remember that we talked about that grimoire ceremony and you know and asked to both go because it's a coming of age thing right they they both go there's a whole bunch and it's it felt like it happens in sectors because everyone from the surrounding boonie villages have come to a certain spot I bet right. that in the capital probably happens in a much more grandiose pomp and circumstance kind of thing because they know they're going to get theirs. And everyone gets theirs. So, essentially, the idea of a grimoire that the first Wizard King was blessed with a special grimoire. Right. So, this was really cool. You're right. There's the they talk about the three uh, cloves of the clover because this kingdom is the clover kingdom is where he resides. All these villages in the capital, it's the clover kingdom, and what is it? It's like uh, faith, good, faith, hope, and love. Hope, love, and then the fourth uh, leaf of the clover is luck. Is luck. 
So everyone's getting their grimoires, right? Asta and Yuno are there as well, and Yuno steps up to get his, and wouldn't you know it, the Prodigy gets the four-leaf clover, the same one that the first Wizard King had. Right, and so Sasuke gets his Sharingan, <laughs> and Naruto <laughs> gets Bubkiss. He gets absolutely Bubkiss. He doesn't receive a grimoire at first. Now, he this black, gritty gross grimoire comes out of nowhere yeah so they get attacked um and basically someone tries to steal sasuke's uh sharingan essentially because they're super jealous of his eyes his and Oro- dojo too. so orochimaru com- i'm sorry some <laughs> oh, geez, bandit guys, comes in we really gotta fix ourselves here, i don't man. know so they come in first battle um asta then materializes the an, his own grimoire it's this black rusty looking grimoire but it has five leaves in it and then the narrator kicks up and says something that i think to this day is like one of my favorite parts of the whole show is that faith hope and love reside in the three leaves of a clover in the fourth leaf is luck but in the fifth leaf lies a demon and then he pulls out this badass big motherfucker sword he takes this big fuck-off stance yeah. and just whips the dude with the sheer weight and his muscles. And it turns out that Asta, while having no magic, has anti-magic properties. No. Yeah. He, no. His, his, his sword his, his does. does. His sword does. But basically, he doesn't have any magic at all, but his sword can cut through any magic. So his magic, his his gift is the ability to cut through pretty much all of their magic, which... Right, so what's really, really cool about this, and one of the reasons that I love this show so much, is he is the only person in the entire world that can wield this um, this weapon. Yeah. So this grimoire wouldn't cannot have gone to anyone else, because he's the only one who has no magic. So basically, when you, and anyone is touched by the sword their magic just instantly gets sapped, so they basically all go unconscious immediately. Right. They're, they're drained of everything, but he's essentially, his vessel, like we talked about earlier, is empty. And he's been working on his body his whole life, so he is the only person that can lift this thing. It's right. so freaking heavy. So no one else can even touch the damn, lift the damn yeah. thing to use it, but he he uses it with one hand sometimes. Yeah. And it's just, whoa, Asta, you're a beefy boy. Yeah. Like That's so cool. So it's even even here at this point, learning all this stuff, it still felt so basic, you know? It, yeah, I mean, it was very, you know, tropey and, you know, because at one point we had thought, oh, how do we throw together all the tropes of all the animes and create a new hit? Right, you know? and it's still to this day, it has hints of that. However, I guess what what made you come around? Yeah, so what's really, I think, dope about this show is the depth of the world. They world build so well. It is very, very deep. It's like Naruto world building level, in my opinion. And and it's funny, because I think in a a previous episode, when we had a, a, a quick conversation about Black Clover, I remember saying that I think it needs to get to, like, episode 100 to leave a lasting mark in the anime community at episode, like, 78. I see it. I get it. I understand that, that they're preparing themselves for a long-winded shonen world building, and I think they do a lot of things right, maybe even more so than some of the big three. One thing I liked about... Let's compare them to Naruto, since we've been obviously doing that the entire time. Who? <laughs> uh, who? I don't know. Uh, Asta, Asta's special gift that makes him more powerful or more different than the rest of the world, you knew that Naruto had the demon fox in him from day one, from episode one, that was, it's been clearly stated. You don't really know Asta, like the source of this or why him or what this grimoire is. They leave a lot of mystery while still keeping him clearly as the power ceiling almost for this world. Because if it is magic by the rules of the world, he is immune if he has a sword. But there's mystery. There, we really don't know what's up with yeah, I mean, even now at episode 96, I don't really know what the deal is with him. Right. Um, he's gained a few more powers and stuff like that at this point. Um, 
and one that he gains and then never uses again. So that was interesting. Uh, is it one that I haven't seen yet? No. Or, okay, what, he uses it twice. Because he uses it once in the witch saga or the witch arc. And then he uses it again on the, the volcano training uh, with the uh, Crimson Lions. He uses it. He uses his key detection. And then essentially, uh, essentially just, you know, keeps it. What this. are you talking about? <laughs> so so, so my, what I'm talking about is he has a second sword that he gains later when they're looking for a dungeon. Oh, and he's able to, this. to imbue the sword with an attribute. Because he doesn't have any himself. Right. That, you're right. You're right. We were talking about two different powers. Uses it absolutely once and yeah. then never again. And I don't and understand that's so why. rad. And didn't, and didn't the slash he give out? have that attribute but also anti-magic properties as well that is so rad why have they not used that more dude that makes me so upset um but okay we we mentioned crimson lines let's start mentioning so i i I actually want to quickly talk about um the grimoire itself yes okay so what's really cool about this power system in my opinion is that basically when you get your grimoire you have one spell in it or something like that Mm -hmm. right Right. And the way you add more spells is by going through some character growth. Right. So you either, you know, figure out something about yourself or you, you know, learn how to work well with others or something like that. And a new spell will automatically be written in your grimoire. Yeah, that's super cool. So it's such an insanely um, endearing and cool power system because you can't just train really hard and become you know nine million spells in your grimoire you have to you have to like go through a struggle and pass through it or overcome it to gain powers within your attribute so that's the one thing i I, i'm still mixed on that because there doesn't seem to be a clear cut way to gain a new spell that feels very old school textbook animated me is that your feelings and your struggle just give you more in the moment you need it. But I think it'd be a lot more cool to see a much more kind of not not so much a super rigid system, but if someone were to be like, I want to learn more spells, there is a way, maybe a couple of ways that they can go about doing it, maybe through a certain type of training or through um, I think it'd be super cool if like people learn key detection, like Yami taught Asta, that if they kind of felt inside themselves like oh what if i tried this and when they kind of almost i know as much as i shit on it the um the wise man's grandchild where if you kind of have the logistics of a spell you're like oh clicks and then the new spell gets recorded it'd be it'd be cool to have something like that but i do like the fact that what um, i what i like about it is it it limits the ability for you to just be a noble and instantly win because you're a noble that's a good point. You That's know what I mean? Point. Yeah. So it, it kind of levels the playing field a lot because it allows you to gain new powers, new spells by overcoming things within yourself. Yeah. And that's um, that's peasant noble no matter what. Right. Yeah. So, for instance, there is a character, Noelle, who is really unconfident about her abilities. She becomes confident and then gets a new spell. Or she... Um, is very selfish, becomes non-selfish, and gains a defensive spell that allows her to help more than just herself. Right. So, right. So just, it's a, it's something like that where it's like a character um, growth or you know something like that that allows you to unlock new spells. And I think it's really cool because it does level the playing field a lot. And you know what? I take back what I said a little bit. I take back that there isn't a, a very clear-cut way of gaining spells because I think I honestly I just thought about this. Where, let's take Mimosa as for an example. As an example, she is a uh, magical knight, which we'll talk about this whole magical knight system in a second. But she's one of the Clover Kingdom's magical knights, and, and she's a noble. She's a noble, so she is very powerful, but she's not very uh, assertive. Her personality feels like it lends itself to support and healing, mm-hmm. and that when she and when she introduces herself, that's her specialty. It's all about your personality. And like Magnus from uh, Magnus Magnus from Black Bulls Magma Magma excuse me he 
has Magna. basic Magna. Sorry. He has essentially only attack spells. Yeah. But that's the kind of guy he is. He's like a delinquent, like he's, brash guy. He's I love him so much. Yeah, he's um, awesome. So yeah, so I think it it is very personal, personality based. And last thing I'd say on Grimoire's uh, Grimoire's is just they act as a conduit. They are not your magical source of power. You right. can still do stuff, which you, we've seen in the past. People didn't have to whip out a Grimoire at all to do some basic spells. And that's basically comes down to mana count, your, your ability, how much mana you actually have. But there's so much variety in this show in terms of powers. Yeah, it's 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 my favorite, bonkers. I think, honestly. It's bonkers. There isn't like the five chakra types in Naruto... Or even, I think it's even more, would you say it's even more varied than Bleach's Zanpakuto? Because everyone has their own attribute, but also other spells. Yeah, probably. So that's that's the one thing I was thinking, like, wow, they really packed a lot of variety in this in this power system. Yeah, and so, like, when I mentioned the world building, this is kind of what I meant, is they made every power completely unique to the person and super deep. Mm-hmm. So I think now we should probably talk about, we've kind of, you know, tiptoed around it. There's a right. basically a class system. Yes. The farther away from the kingdom you are, you're a peasant. The closer you are, potentially you could be a noble or of high birth or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so to each kingdom will have their own version of this basically group called the Magic Knights. The Magic Knights. They're super cool. <laughs> right. So it's... Um, did you ever watch that show on uh, Nickelodeon uh, Gas... Called, yeah, called um, Legend of the Hidden Temple. Oh, hell yeah, I watch Legend of the Hidden Temple. So they yeah. have teams like Purple Monkey, uh, mm-hmm. or I think it was Silver. I don't know, Silver I just remember, the, I remember being other. a game show on that really cool looking head and obstacle course. Yeah, yeah that's it was super cool. Yeah, so there's teams and they have mascots essentially. Mm-hmm. So that is similar to the Magic Knights. <laughs> so basically there's 12 uber, uber, uber powerful or it might be eight. I don't know. There's, I think, I there's think it some might, number. I think of it's them. like nine, because they yeah. had that ceremony and two didn't show up, and there are only seven on stage. So I think it might only be nine. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So there's the wizard king is at the top. Actual badass. Yeah, Julius. And, and and this is of just the magical knights. There's another king um, that is like of the people. Right. So that this is another thing that's kind of interesting. There's the normal nobility. Right. And then there's also nobility within the magic knights. You don't necessarily have to be a magic knight to be a noble. Right. There's just the regular like nobility that, you know, any type of um I don't know, kingdom would have like yeah. in our world say, but you it, say you're really strong in in magic and you want to go be a magic knight, you can then join the magic knights. So there's there's nine different ones and they all have a really strong captain. Oh, the captains are so unique and cool. They're some of them are uh, a little lackluster in my opinion. Um, but who who's your standouts? Who would you say are the coolest? coolest well, I'm just gonna captains? list them off really fast. We got Julius Novacrono as the Wizard King. He is so cool. He's really cool. I he's love got time him. magic, and, he, and he's got time magic. Yeah. That is so OP. There is not a person alive that can touch him. So actually, right now at my episode, he is in the middle of a fight. What? Yes. <gasps> I know what I'm doing after after dinner. I'm gonna go home and watch the rest of it because I'm super. I'm in the middle of a tournament arc and I'm and, so hype. Uh, so then the next lowest, uh, or like the highest, I guess, clan or whatever you want to call it, a group of magic knights is called the Golden Dawn. God, these guys are pompous as fuck. Yeah, dude. so they're like, like uh, the super nobles, um, super powerful team, and they're always uh, like. This is what's so insane about this show. It's just so deep. So there's a there's a tournament every year between all of the different clan uh, groups. Not groups, clans. God, how do you call them? <laughs> um, uh, squads. Squads. Thank squads. you. Squads. My God. <laughs> all the different squads. There's like a tournament. All the ninja clans yeah. come together. God and all, dang it. All the squads. Um, no. So there's a tournament between all the squads, just like Harry Potter houses. Where every year you get your demerits and like your, you know, oh, you did a great job saving this village or, you know, finding that cat in the tree or something like that. But you also get, so you get these in, in the form of golden stars, much like yes. we do on iTunes. You should give us five stars so yeah, we can five go. Stars five and stars and write a review so we can <laughs> shout you out on the podcast. 
so petty. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so you, you get gold stars for doing harder missions, uh, your you know retrieval of artifacts, stuff for the kingdom, and you get black stars for like basically uh, wanton destruction while, much, yeah. while on like business or just like delinquency, I guess yeah. as well. So. Uh, we, so the best one is the Golden Dawn, led by Captain William Vengeance. And he's second best is Crimson Lions. Now, not anymore. Which I want to go talk about. Well, wait. No, come on. <laughs> Give me a hand motion. Okay, Crimson Lions are next. He's over here just stopping my flow. You know, I'm, I'm, gonna you, I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. Okay. No, you. Yeah. You're gonna try to. Uh, yeah. You, no, you can. Uh, yeah. Crimson. Um, li- yeah, the Lions, uh, Fuglion Vermilion. Are you done? No. <laughs> uh, the the third squad is the, God, are they Silver Eagles led by uh, yeah, so, Noz- Nozel? Uh, Nova Silva or something like that. I got a character list right here because there's literally hundreds of characters. Yeah, which is uh, awesome. Nozel Silva, yeah. Yeah, Nozel Silva. Wait, what's his little brother's name? Uh, there's Solid and Nebra. And solid. Then, yeah, solid. Okay. No, yeah, Nozel Silva, uh, the third, and he runs the Silver Eagles, I think they're called. Yeah. Basically, they're a bunch of white-haired, pompous, pretty bunch boys. Bunch of noble assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth team is probably the Blue Rose. Yep, Blue Rose, consisting of mostly women, and all of the men in there are Aaron boys. Yeah. Led by uh, Charlotte Roselli. Yeah, which, who is super cool. She is cool. Um, then there's the Purple Orcas. Yeah, fuck those guys. Led by like a gang leader. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Um, what are the other? What, what else Aqua we got? Deer. Yeah, led we have by... the Azure Deer. Red. Oh, led by uh, Real Boismart. Yeah. Boismartier. Boismartier. Yeah, Real Bismortier. Bismortier. Ah, true. Okay, Bismortier. Who I think his magic is super cool. So it really is. Um, then you have the Coral Peacock, led by Super Sleepy Dorothy Unsworth. Right. Let's see. We got the Green Mantis, led by literally a man named Jack the Ripper, and yeah. he is terrifying to look at. He is your lanky boy. He has slice magic. Literally, he's like <laughs> the Pokemon like Scyther, but magic. That's yeah. that's it. Scyther. And then we are finally at what I believe to be my favorite and everyone's in general favorite uh, squad: the Black Bulls. The Black Bulls. The the runts of the proverbial litter. Now he that's led yeah, so by at the begin yeah sorry go ahead. yeah Yami Sikahiro, who is essentially a man who's from Japan yeah from Japan <laughs> washes up on the you know the the shores <laughs> always, the shores of the Clover Kingdom and yeah. then is brought into the Magic Knights by uh, Julius Novacrono mm-hmm. and he is dark magic and he is literally Yami. he carries a yeah he carries a katana. And he always references the homeland, and he is one of the only fighters that uses the concept of key to, you know, sense people and sense just natural energy in people aside from magic. So he's a little bit OP, even yeah. amongst the magic knights. He's probably one of the strongest magical magic knight captains, right? He definitely is. Right. Yeah. So you know that's what's really cool. There's basically you've got the CEO at the top of the company, Julius, and then basically it branches down to each of the captains mm-hmm. and then they all have within those ranks there's also a breaks down break ugh, there's a broken down like senior magical knight first class it's like a, basically an army right right there's senior magical knight uh second class mid tier intermediate so you yeah, know there's a ranking system for what you can be but there's also like vice captains and third seats right. and stuff like that so you can have a ranking so it's a with, lot like bleach where has, each of those yeah. squads had like you know actual hierarchy and that is something i really love in shows is when you give like the feel that there is a progression you can make and that is where i will say my one maybe one of three complaints is is they bring that system into the light and then they basically haven't referenced it much at all that is true we really only see it in this in this particular tournament arc when they start showing the names of people and you kind of like oh a third sheet showed up or oh a vice captain showed up you know uh that's when you kind of start to see but that's always been the and the advantageous part of a system like that is that you can hear a name and the accolades of just by their all of their 
uh, like their surnames and their titles and stuff. You can be like, oh, you're a fourth seat. Well, I'm a vice captain. And you're like, oh, snap. This vice captain just showed up when we're in for something. Right. So what would, what I think would be cooler, and so they constantly will say all the Black Bulls are heavily underrated. So they're way stronger than their ranks. That's the most crazy part, Which right? Which is really, really cool. But, but I, it would be, it would, I think it would hit harder to the audience if you were like, they're the absolute lowest rank and they're kicking the shit out of vice captains. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So like kind of just show that the black bulls are getting shit on for no reason. Exactly. Yeah. You know? They- so, so basically at the beginning of the show, the black bulls are the lowest rated squad because they have, I think it was like negative 130 stars. Yeah. They have 130 insane. black stars and not a <laughs> single one to speak of. It works in positive negatives. When you get, if you're in the hole and you get gold stars, you just get, black stars taken away right yeah and they while everyone else has like nearly a hundred stars like gold stars they have 130 because they do successfully do their missions but they're so destructive (laughs) and they destroy everything around themselves and so they keep coming back and they keep getting in the hole because mission successful oh yeah you cost the kingdom thousands and thousands and damages yeah um and that's where our boy asta ends up in the black bulls so actually they go they have this like mini tournament arc in the very beginning of the show where all perspective magic knights go and perform in front of basically the whole uh like all the captains are kind of there right yeah so like most of the captains are there and they just like kind of watch and decide who they want for perspective right magical knights they're fighting for bids essentially right and uh so basically you do like kind of a bunch of aptitude tests in the beginning, and then there's fight rounds, and Asta slays everyone. Right. But he has zero magic, so he's failed all the attribute tests. Mm-hmm. So when it's time to do a kind of like selection process, they call out everyone by by name and number or whatever, and they'll like basically they'll say, oh, this guy, uh, this candidate, who wants him? And then the the captains will raise their hand if they want them or not. It's essentially a magical frat bid process. It's Cause, absolutely yeah, because right everyone, that. it's not one person will get them. It's that you can then choose amongst the bids of the captains, like, hey, we'll have you on our team. Uh, while yeah, we, so if you get four, if you get four captains to raise their hand, you get to choose. Right. So what we have here is, you know, and Asta went through this process, and like I said, Asta gets no bids except from Yami. Right. So actually, at first, he gets no bids. Right. And you're like. How is this possible? He's the main character. <laughs> yeah. So when when he basically like his world crashes and he's about to like walk away, Yami just goes nuts, and he he shows everyone his true power and just like basically, you know, in in uh, like either Bleach or um, Dragon Ball Z when people are just like key. I don't know what you key, call it, like uh, superpower char- charge up. up. Yeah, charge yeah. up, <laughs> and then you like see like physical representations of that and like the world shaking or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, he does that. Oh yeah. He drops down from his like uh, perch stands in front of him and just freaking hulks out and everyone's (laughs) afraid, including some of the captains are like, damn, he is strong. Right. And, uh, Asta just stares at him and is like, you still want to join my, you know, squad. And he's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and so he uh, he accepts him in, and then Yuno goes up, and every single captain wanted him. They all want him. So he chooses the Golden Dawn because he thinks it will be the quickest path to the Wizard King. So that's something we kind of glanced over, is that what keeps them together, Asta and Yuno, is they both want to become the Wizard King, similar to like if they both wanted to be the Okage. Exactly. And I, it's funny because I think this is one of the ways that Black Clover kind of subverts the whole rival mentality of most shonens is that it's a very positive almost like positive antagonistic force because it's they they're competing against each other but in no way is there bad blood. You know, Naruto and Sasuke are considered rivals. Yeah, they're rivals still bros. They're still bros, and they're always bros, no matter the path they take. You know, being the prod- the prodigal wizard with the with the lucky four leaf clover grimoire, and he's in the best uh best squad, and he has the most you know 
basically earns the most stars. He he is taking the traditional. He's the number one rookie. He, he's the number one rookie, so he's taking that path. But Asta is taking his own very Naruto esque. I'm gonna fight fight it, believe it kind of style uh, journey as well. But every time they meet, they keep getting stronger and they keep becoming buddies. That's always been endearing. Yeah, it's always been great. So what? I think another portion of this show that I really like that I think most people will agree with. Like the only reason I think one of the only reasons people like Fairy Tale is that everyone in the clan feels like family. They all love each other. They all like push each other to be stronger, right? right. Yeah. So at, when Asta joins the Black Bulls, they are just like an absolute mess. They're they are a train wreck of a squad, right? And they're all fucking fighting all the time, hammered or whatever, right? And, and another thing, I'm so glad you're bringing it up in this order because this is another thing that I think they subvert is that. Each person in the Black Bulls, by themselves, isolate them. They're actually pretty one-dimensional at the beginning. They all have a typical trope. You have the bat, the the, the battle-hungry person. You have the delinquent. You have the lolly lover, like literally sister lover. There's a person who stares at a picture of his sister and just nosebleeds. Gosh. Yeah, he's he's cool, but whatever. And then there's you have the food-obsessed one. You have the ladies. Charmy. Yeah, you have Charmy. And then Finral. So, and then you have, you know, so that everyone has like a trope. You have Noel, who is the most tech, textbook Sunare of all time for Asta. But where it shines is that their interactions together as a squad make for s- character interactions that don't, you don't see in typical long form shonens a lot. You know, it, it, it feels organic. It feels like everyone reacts the way you'd expect them to, given that they're interacting with each other's tropes. Um, I don't know. It's super endearing. There's something that the sum is better than the whole. The whole is better than the sum of its parts in terms of the endearing factor of these character interactions, you know? Right. So I, th- I think, you know, one thing to mention is most of these captains will only pick nobles or they'll only pick people they think have a really, like, obvious chance to help out. Right. But Yami seems like he does things a little bit differently. Oh, yeah. He just gets he – jo- uh, he picks people that he wants to join and, like, have fun with. Right. And that he thinks can can basically surpass their own limits. That's that's he, his, like, his, like... Yami feels like the <laughs> guy he already had his own anime somewhere else. Like, he already had his own story. Right. Every part of about him is, like, the, the shonen protagonist of old, all those tropes, as if they had already done it all. It's like not Naruto as Hokage already. Yes. Washing up on shore somewhere in a new story and becoming captain of his own squad. You know, never give up. Surpass your limits right here, right now. Um, and he he has that air of like, if I were a main protagonist in the big three era, my show would have kicked ass. But right. I'm in totally. I'm in Asta's show now. So I'm on his journey. So that's a, another thing. They and so he's like so powerful and violent that they're all afraid of him, but they'll do anything he asks. They like love each other, and that's what's really cool about this group of of magic knights is they were all misfits from like you know one of them was a runaway you know prisoner ghost essentially yeah. Uh, Vanessa ran away from a witch kingdom. It's so crazy. You know, Frenral was the he's a actually really highborn noble. But he was—he only has transportation, spatial magic, uh, spatial yeah. magic, and their family is known for like attack spatial magic. Literally being able to like swipe space out of existence, and he, like hand from uh, JoJo's. Ex- essentially, yes. Yeah. And so that, and that's the thing—he doesn't have the fighting spirit to be a warrior. Yeah, he's just too nice, right? And yeah. so uh, he ends up losing the airing like he's not the heir of his family anymore his little brother insane so the after they started they introduced all these characters the way they build on them all is very very well done these stories are great because they tell you all their backstory and then they'll have everyone will be with asta and have some kind of character moment where they have to decide to you know be better than themselves and you know bust through their limits right so what's really cool about asta is his you know his life um, kind of struggles that he's been through, basically having no magic, mm-hmm. you know, having Yuno be like a prodigy. Literally a god next to him. Right, initially. and just having to absolutely 
push through his limits and try really hard to gain muscle and do all this stuff and overcome some of his weaknesses becomes a roadmap for each of the people in, in the Black Bulls to grow and become better than themselves. They all will have their character moments when they're out with Asta, like about to die or something, and they're like, we're not going to let this kid die. We're going to help him become the Wizard King. Right. They're inspired by his ability to not give up. Because so they, they, if without Asta, they probably would still be shitheads. Right. Yeah, they still would be shitheads without Asta. And I think this leads, honestly, to the, the my personal overall idea of why this show kind of hooked me in. It takes the best parts of, I would say, the big three. And then it it subverts the stuff the stuff that it can and keeps the best of what it took the stuff that doesn't need changing <laughs> i am stopping because ethan just put a big phone block over his mic and i think it's silly but also brilliant yeah this might like work out really well <laughs> it's so crazy anyway so uh, i like i like to see how it's subverting i like to see how the story grows and the world gets bigger you know we are introduced to another a whole another kingdom um, and there's now like a warring state concept. Uh, but, you know, final thoughts uh, just before I want to do one thing with you that I thought up before we started this. And I didn't tell you about this yet. Oh, um, no. Oh, yeah. Is uh, I am I'm very excited to see now where this goes because they have had the time to build a world that I think is compelling. The rules are set. We see those that can break them. We're. um being introduced to parts of the world that were always there but not known as in mystical magic and like mystical beast magic and stuff like that uh i i want i want to continue it but i am a little bit hesitant because it feels like it's still teetering on the edge of falling into a trope that could be a mainstay at any point it feels like the trope can be fallen into and like oh this part of the story now well that's just okay that's makes a lot of sense so they have a fine line, but they're walking the right path with this story, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. So, I mean, for me, I absolutely love this show. It is very enjoyable. Um, I mean, like I said in the beginning, I wasn't you know sold at all, but I just kept pushing through. So they do this thing where they make Asta really fucking annoying in the beginning, where he's just oh, screaming boy. and like, I think it's just to over exaggerate him brimming with you know energy, I guess energy and like enthusiasm for becoming a magic knight or becoming the wizard king so yeah. he's always loud as shit always like way over the top but he's basically he's compensating for his own personal like loneliness and like you know despair towards not having any magic and just basically being set off to such a negative in the beginning right and they do kind of turn them down a little bit they turn the volume down on the ass they really do and, it, and that and that's where you and can, it's so amazing you can see thank it you went, so much Periot. yes thank you it went from a it felt gimmicky like a character gimmick to what you just said was more true later when asta has an injury so bad they have to go find a special cure for his arms he can't fight without his arms he doesn't have magic right so um, how that plays out, you'll have to watch. But the 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 thing I liked about what you said is he. It's clear he does it because he is secretly in in a, He doesn't. He can very easily get depressed about understanding that I am not like everybody else. I am at a disadvantage in a big way because without magic, I don't feel like I belong in a world that's full of magic. It's not that he is shunned like Naruto because he is. He's got evil inside of him. It's because he lacks what makes everyone else normal. And it's that duality of I am going to keep screaming through it because I'm secretly very self-conscious about this lack of magic. And he says it even later in the series that, you know, I can't get depressed. I'm really jealous right now that everyone has magic and I don't. Yeah. They're doing mana skins in the, in the training. It's like, I don't have, I can't, I can't do this. Like, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, he's, war he's warmed up to me. I like him as a main character. He's very endearing. Yeah, and I think the world is really compelling because there's, you know, parallels to real real life, you know. Mm -hmm. There's just blatant um, discrimination against people because they're pre peasants, even if they're significantly stronger magical knights than some of the nobles. Right. So I think what's really cool about how this is going to probably progress is I think eventually that's going to come to a head, and, you know, either you know who's a peasant or... <laughs> 
Asta will rise enough to where people are going to stop thinking in that same way. It's already started to happen a little right. bit. It's, it's slowly twisting, you know? Right. It's super so cool. So Noel was really um, freaking annoying and oh, being like really noble class. Baka. Yeah. Classist, elitist type deal, right? She even calls herself royalty out of nowhere as an excuse that yeah. she can just do dumb shit. Get to do Why'd you she slap me? I'm royalty. The fuck? Fuck you, yeah. dude. But she's even turning around, and mm-hmm. she's, like, helping peasant kids. She's, like, doing all these things that royalty doesn't do. So you're seeing the the effects of people like Yuno and Asta, like, as social changers in this kingdom. And I, I absolutely love that. I couldn't put it better myself. Last question before I want to do the thing that I didn't tell you about. Okay. I could talk about this show for 50 I'm, episodes. I know. It's, it is. There's a lot to talk about. If this show were to have come out around the big three, would it have done well? Would it have done uh, better than some? How do you feel watching One Piece, Bleach, and Naruto? If Black Clover came out right at the same time and started right around the same time, how do you think it would have done? I think it would have been a clear fourth, but I think it would have fit in the big four. <laughs> it would have been a big. You would have been. You think it would have been popular enough to be a big four at that point? Yeah. So, I mean, we had talked about this before. We didn't know whether this would have been as popular if there was three other options. Mm -hmm. Like, as it it sits today, One Piece is the only one left. Right. You know, Dragon Ball Z does their shit all the time. But And and Naruto went left field is how with Boruto, but that's for another discussion. Yeah. So, I think it probably maybe wouldn't have gotten lumped in with the big three and my only... Changing nothing about the show. I think you start everything at episode one. Yeah, if you start every single one of those series at episode one, Poten- um, I think potentially it would have been okay. It, yeah, I wonder if it would have looked more like a copycat in juxtaposition against those big three because well, it wouldn't have because those wouldn't have happened yet. That's my. That's what I'm curious about. Would it have felt like oh, this feels just like Naruto, or would they have said oh, Naruto feels just like Black Clover? You know, who would have won that race? Who would have been the de facto setting those tropes? I wonder. Uh, I think Naruto has a lot more like deep emotions in the beginning. Yeah. So people probably would have, you know, I think everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people can relate to being that one kid that nobody's going to play with, you know, on the playground or like people avoid you like the plague. Yeah. I think that seemed to echo with society a, a lot and the kids of the day like people that were watching that were right our and, age and, and i mean i think you know asta has a lot of things that are relatable like having to work harder than like the, you know, you'll see it in school there's just some kids that freaking get it and, and there's some, some kids have that to, have to study all night long that's a good that's a, that's a good way to put it right yeah. so, so i i think both are very relatable in their own way and but you still think it would have been a big four I mean, I don't see how it could have not been. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree. So, what I wanted to do, lightning round, favorites. Favorites in Black Clover. We're going to get a minute each each one of these questions, and I thought about five. So, favorite squad that isn't the Black Bulls, go. Crimson Lions. Why? I like them too. Because they're all dope. They're they're all pretty dope. It's very fire-centric squad. Yeah, so... What's really cool about the Crimson Lions is they're basically the Vermilion family. This is the main branch and the main nobility branch. Um, you've got Fugu Leone at the beginning as the captain, mm-hmm. and he's like really cool, really like he's respectful of people that aren't nobles. Like they're just cool, like into strength, you know, want to be strong, want to help the kingdom, like really noble people. Like noble, not in the sense where it's blood related. Right. And yeah, and now it's Mary Leone, and she's by far my favorite character in the whole show. She's actually insane. She's my favorite by <laughs> she's far. She's super fun, but she's she's batshit crazy. For me, Blue Rose. Why all babes? Next question. <laughs> Next, Next question. question. Favorite, uh, favorite magic. Favorite magic type of, of all the people that you see in the show up to this point. Whose magic would you want? So I know that Ricky's going to say real Bismortier, but I'm going to say Julius Novacrono. It's so... Oh, <laughs> well, my God. Actually, yeah. I lied. Licked. Licked's light magic is so it's cool. Ins- that's insane. Yeah, it's yeah. It's so cool. Um, yeah. Uh, real probably with paint magic because he can copy 
literally any magic that he sees on the battlefield with intensity and veracity. If he wasn't such a like narcissistic dude about his paintings, <laughs> he would be an actual beast, you know. Um, if but not, he's like a sixteen-year-old captain. That's also true as well. He's just he's just prodigal at the way he does this stuff. If not him, it would definitely be uh, Nozel Silva with Mercury magic. Yeah, that's, that's so sick. That's OP as shit. That's just all the all the flexibility of water, but with actual metal. That's crazy. Um, best girl. Um, does Marilyn count? Yes, totally counts. So, I love her and and Mimosa. Mimosa is my gal. It used to be it used to be Noel or even Vanessa, but well, Vanessa's the hottest in the show by far. Vanessa's the hottest in the Black Bulls. Who's hotter in the show? I would say the leader of Blue Rose. Really? Yeah, Charlotte. Okay. Oh, that or Mimosa. She's nice too. That or, that or Mimosa. Mimosa, Mimosa. Yeah, she's like a low I sh- key. I ship Mimosa and Asta. Same. That's that's how it has to end. I Fuck hope you, so. Noel. Fuck you. You don't deserve it. Yeah, her. Mimosa is very uh, Hinata esque. That's that's the vibe I'm getting. She's like very passive, but she's also very strong. Um, favorite arc thus far. Yeah, so this is kind of tough because it's it's all one arc essentially. Right. There, the there, Eye of the Midnight Sun arc. Yeah. So there's chunks here. But I am really like that royal magic uh tournament arc was so sick that's where i'm at right now tournament arcs are great and shown and it's like battle after battle after battle and you just get to see so much depth of magic that is true as well this is an unusual tournament arc because essentially it's captured the flag or destroyed the crystal so to speak and there's squads of three from any of the magic magic knight squads so they have to have teamwork on the fly which is crazy and i love that um favorite villain so i think i'll say veto or um the guy from the diamond kingdom oh mars yeah mars mars he's the kind of he's the one who converts right yeah yeah he's he's super cool because they made him as like a freaking weapon of mass destruction what's his magic again it's it's half diamond half fire that's because they yeah they like spliced him which is crazy um i like i like Rhea. Raya the Raya. disloyal. Yeah, he's the he's got copy magic. Glad. As you can tell, I like the ability to like snag magic from other people. <laughs> That's pretty dope. Um, or Veto. Veto is just a beast. Yeah, I like he was so physical cool. augmentation magic is so cool. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of my lightning round. Just trying, <laughs> to, like, just trying to get you know uh, get some of the little things out there. Uh, yeah, favorite side character. People on the side. Side characters. I, people people who I'll aren't say like true main characters. Favorite black bull that isn't. Yeah, let's do that. Asta Favorite black bull, Yami. Yeah, uh, I think Luck is super cool. Luck or Gordon. Um, I like Vanessa now that she is stupid OP. Like she doesn't do anything. I know she after doesn't do. That. I know she didn't do anything. No, no, no. I know. I'm just telling you. Like, don't be disappointed when she doesn't even basically show up for the rest of the show. Lesai. Okay, that or Gray, because Gray is that funny. was a cool twist. Because Charmy, so sh- powerful. You know what? I'm gonna switch to Charmy. She's super. She's super fun, and she's so like, like, confrontable that literally during the uh, the royal knight arc, uh, Julius just takes her and just puts on puts yeah. her on his lap and just like let the games begin. Okay, and yeah, she's just she, like, like just sits on his lap. She literally just falls asleep on his lap and just feeds him cupcakes because yeah. <laughs> she's uh, she's got cotton magic and one of her spells is that she's obsessed with food. So uh obviously it's personality based so she has sheep that are like chefs yeah it just constantly makes her food but she's also super op when she wants to use an attack spell yeah um but yeah and she's like really highly rated too she's like a senior magic knight oh yeah she's and she's like she's your your lowly bait she's 19 but she's tiny so yeah um final thoughts by clover should people watch it I implore you to watch it, please. If you like the long form, and it's very bingeable. It's very bingeable. And, you know, get through the first, like, 20 episodes, and I promise you you're going to love this show. Even if you subscribe to The Religion of Three, in the three episodes, I think there's enough in those first three to at least com- keep you compelled to power through. But because it really... I think you'll, in the first three, you'll say, wow, this is a big world, and I need to learn more at the very least. Right. So if you're, if you're into world building, if you're into the big three back in the day— this will this will target some of the some of those old nostalgia feelings a little bit too. It feels like you're you're watching one of those older shows, and I think it's a really good time. Any anime fan will. It, do you think it'll be a masterpiece at the end of the day? Do you think it? it I think once, potentially. And yeah, it just needs a lot of time for a show like this. Um, but it, it's I good. I mean, if you think about it, there's 
it's only one sixth of the length of any of these big three. Exactly. So it's, yeah. So if if they do if they take the time to build the world that that I argue that they should, since they ha- what they have right now is great, it can be a classic. It can definitely be a classic Easy. of shonen. So. Um, love yeah, it. That, I love it. Love, love, love it. Black Clover. I would you know. love to talk about this more. We may, we can circle back. Maybe in another another hundred episodes, we yeah. can do a follow up. So. Thanks y'all for listening. Uh, this one was super fun because we just we, there was no prep for this one. We did we just sat down, pulled up a character sheet, like rip. Yeah. Let's go talk, <laughs> talk. So we we have a, a lot of love for this show. So thank y'all for listening. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, Google, any other podcast, Stitcher, uh, YouTube. And- yes, please check out our YouTube channel. People mm-hmm. don't really know that we've got one, but we're putting up kind of. We're doing really cool shit where we're putting up new episodes of right. the podcast with some cool After Effects shit. By the time this episode, episode 16, will come out, we should have a whole updated suite of visuals. Um, you know, some cool background stuff, some cool yeah, animated we're stuff. we're getting sick in editing. We're getting really good at After Effects, and we're only going to get better, so it's going to be a really good time. Thanks, y'all, for— There's also going to be some just— basically videos that are not related to the podcast yeah we're like, starting to set up some you know, extra stuff we're gonna do some you know personal top fives we're gonna do not just a top five list but competing top fives see where yeah. both of us rank a list and see what different what's different about them so it should be a good time you know check us out on youtube like and comment and subscribe obviously yes uh apple gave us five stars and uh, uh guys uh the ratings really help us grow but if you really want to help us grow if you could suggest this podcast to one of your friendos. Oh yeah, we've been we've been we're in the hard marketing stage at this point. Yeah, if you know someone who likes anime but you they uh, just want to listen to two uh, pseudo professors rip shit on the couch, <laughs> you know, uh, send us their way and we'll entertain them too. So yeah, and uh, if you do end up, you know sending us to some of your friends we have an instagram we do have an instagram we're and posting uh, memes we're posting you tag content. us dot podcast. we would love to uh shout y'all out on the next episode after we get the uh the old taggy yeah we may even read some comments if we start getting people commenting on our stuff give us any suggestions or yeah, whatever DM you want to give us suggestions for uh for topics we're yeah, listening definitely. We're, we're small enough that if you listen if you list something out we'll probably do it <laughs> yeah, we will do it yeah we'll we'll make a list so uh, that's it for today. I'm Ricky. And I'm Ethan. And this has been Weebology. Pieces. Uh, pieces, I said. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>